Good morning, Citygate Church and all of our online guests. Here we are, week number eight on the life of Elisha, living for a cause. We're learning so many things about this incredible man and, and just the effect his life had on the generation he lived in. And today we're turning to one of my favorite passages, actually in the whole Bible. So I'm glad it's found here in this series. And um, today I want to talk to us about the battle we are in. The battle we are in. And we're going to pick this up in 2 Kings chapter 6, where we were last week, actually, with the floating axe head. But we're going to carry on from verse 8. It says, now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. Now, this king of Syria was the man who had the commander who got healed by jumping in the river just you know, a couple of weeks earlier. Um, I spoke on that. So here it is, even though... He'd done all this real good stuff for this king of Syria. The king of, uh, of Syria still turned against the king of Israel and came out against them. And that can, that, that can really hurt when the people that you've helped turn against you. But that's exactly what happens here. And it says he was consulted um, there together uh, with his servants saying my camp will be in such and such a place and the man of God Elisha sent to the king of Israel saying beware you don't pass this place for the Syrians are coming down there and then the king of Israel sent someone to the place which the man of God had told him and and thus he warned them and they were able to be um, you know keep their eye out there and to watch for this not just once or twice therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing he called his servants and said to them, who's betraying me to the king of Israel? Who's telling them my plans? And his servant says, no one here, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, he tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. He said, he knows what's going on. He said, almighty God's telling him your plans. And so he said, go and see where this man Elisha is that I may send and get him. He obviously wants to kill him. And he's told uh, him and he said, surely he's in Tothan. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. They weren't after the city. They were after Elisha. This is a big reaction to get one man, one man in touch with God. And when the servant of the man of God, that's this man Gehazi, when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was this enemy army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to Elisha, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Boom, that's, that's the, the, the heart of this message right there. Uh, but I... I I have to carry on. I, I don't want to start preaching on it quite yet. Um, and he says, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open the eyes of Gehazi that he might see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountains was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. All around Elisha. Can you see the point there? Not all around the city, not all around the enemy, not all around Elisha and Gehazi, all around Elisha. He was the focal point of this whole battle. Absolutely brilliant. So when the Syrians came down, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, this isn't the way. 
This isn't the city. Follow me. I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. <laughs> He's so clever. Um, but he led them to Samaria. And so it was when they come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. The Lord opened their eyes. And there they were inside Samaria. So the the whole Syrian army were inside the enemy's camp and had obviously been, been held, uh, um, held captive there. And the king of Israel saw them and he said to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Do I kill them? And Elisha answered, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those who've been taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and, you know, give them some refreshments that they may eat and drink and go back to their master. Then he prepared a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, he sent them away, all the way back to their master. So the bands of the Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. I love that passage. It just tells me so many things about the heart of God. Firstly, and I don't really want to spend a lot of time on this, but as I began by saying, the king of Syria turned against the very one that helped his life. Elisha healed the commander and here he is and he wants to go and destroy him. Sends his army to get Elisha. And I just want to say, don't be surprised. You know, it's a strong word, but if ever you're betrayed, someone you try to help turns against you. Someone you've poured your life into turns against you. You know what? Elisha kept such a great attitude, such a great attitude. Um, yes, he prayed that the Lord would close their eyes, and he did. He took them into Samaria, but he set before them a great feast. I know it was the king of Israel, but Elisha said, don't kill them. Come on, let's be merciful. Let's send them all the way back home again. And he dealt with the problem. It says they no more came. These bands of raiders no more came to the land of Israel. But can I just say, just very simply, point number one here is do the right thing. Let's do the right thing. The Bible is really clear, and today I'm talking about the battle we're in, but it's very clear we do not fight against flesh and blood. We do good to people. We don't fight flesh and blood. When somebody steals our jacket, we give them our shirt as well. When somebody forces us to go one mile, we gladly go two miles. This is Christianity 101. This is we love people, we serve people, we don't despise people, we don't condemn people, we don't judge people, we forgive people. Come on, I, I'm just going to say it as clear as day. We are Christ-like. When he was dying on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> it's the heart of God. It's the love of God. It's having a heart of compassion. I am so glad that God has not treated me like I deserved. I don't deserve anything that I live today. None of it. Didn't earn any of it. Didn't, I don't deserve any of it. It's the love, the mercy, and the grace of God. And before we get on on into the stuff of victory and the army of God and more of those who are with us than those who are with them. You know what? Elisha lived in the victory because he loved people and he had the heart of God for people. Um, it's clear in the Bible, isn't it? It says, you know, how do we move the mountain? Have the faith of God. Speak to the mountain. You believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth 
You do all that, mountain be moved. And when you stand praying, forgive. Forgive everybody. Why? Because otherwise the mountain's not moving. If our attitude isn't right, then there will be no power to move anything. There'll be no ability. There'll be no anointing. We'll grieve the Holy Spirit. Come on. I want to say it really clearly. Let's not compromise the standards of what the Bible teaches about our attitude to people. We don't squash people. We don't condemn people. We don't shout at people. We don't, uh, you know, we aren't abusive to people. We don't curse people. We, we pray for those who do us harm. We bless those who persecute. When you hit on one cheek, you turn the other cheek. I mean, that is still in the Bible as far as I'm aware. It's still there and it's still Christianity. I want to speak to Citygate Church today. We are a church that turns the other cheek. We are, we are a church that forgives people and loves people no matter what lies, what accusations. If we've served them and they turn against us, if we paid for them and they use it against us, if we love them and they, and they betray us, you know what? We just keep smiling. We just keep rejoicing. We leap for joy. We jump for joy. If I wasn't on camera here, I'd be jumping all over this platform right now. We, we do the Christian life. So that's really foundational to all of this. And that's my first point today, that we do the right thing. But we are in a battle. And the enemy wants to wipe you out. The enemy wants to destroy your life. The enemy wants to accuse you. He wants to make you sick, poor, broke, upset, sh you know, full of shame and guilt, discouraged. He wants to destroy your life. He wants you out of the battle. We don't play with him. The Bible says... The enemy prowls round like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. I heard somebody preach, you know, another sermon, but something on, on this today, and he brought up that verse, and he says, we've named our church the May Not Church. And I thought, oh, I love that. You know, seeking whom he may devour. Well, he may not devour us. We're the May Not Church. Citygate Church, the May Not Church. In Jesus' mighty name. Devil, you may not devour me. You may not devour my family. You may not devour my physical body. You may not devour my finances. You may not devour my church. You may not devour my city. You may not devour... In Jesus' name, we resist you, devil, steadfast in the faith. You may not devour in Jesus' name because even though you've come to steal, kill and destroy, Jesus has come to give us the abundance, uh, Zoe, life of Almighty God, which is life which cannot be held down, cannot be defeated, and cannot be overcome by evil in Jesus' name. But the devil wants you out the race. He wants you out the battle. So we're going to find out today we're staying in the battle. We're staying strong because we're going to have a godly perspective. So point number two today is keep one step ahead. Keep one step ahead. If the devil is prowling around seeking whom he may devour, if circumstances are arrayed against you, if things are going on in your life, God wants us to stay one step ahead. I love this from Elisha. You know what he did? He heard the voice of God about all the strategic plans of the enemy, about all the schemes. The Bible says, doesn't it, in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, stand against the wiles of the devil. Stand against the wiles of the devil. Not just against the person of the devil, but against his schemes, his plans. He's cunning. 
He's evil. He's nasty. He's not just this big, well, in fact, he's not this big, demonic, aggressive thing like you'd see in, in, in Hollywood. Um, he's a nasty, scheming, thieving, deceptive spirit. And what's really important is that we keep one step ahead. The Bible says we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. And, you know, that's said, but, you know, it's important that we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. We need to learn from the Word of God. We need to learn from other people. We need to learn, of course, from the Holy Spirit about how the enemy operates. But he operates by lies and he operates by deception. Lies and deception, accusation, division. This is how the enemy works. He doesn't just come up with some big spiritual power and try to wipe you out. He'll deceive you. He'll lie. He'll steal. He'll get in, in between a relationship somewhere. And here, Elisha, he kept one step ahead. So I'm going to encourage us today to develop spiritual discernment. Praying in the Holy Spirit, one of the most powerful things a believer can do, um, absolutely, praying in the Holy Spirit, it, it stirs up the anointing on the inside. It affects how you think. It affects how you see. It affects the things you hear. It, it, it helps us to become sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's, it, it's important to pray in tongues to develop discernment. We also develop discernment because we spend time in the Word of God. And the more of God's Word we have in, the more of a plumb line we have for our lives. And we can say, well, that's not God. And well, that's obviously not God. That's not the kingdom of God. That is definitely God. Well, that's certainly not God. Why? Because the Word of God, the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God. God upholds all things by His Word. His Word is a hammer, the Bible says. His Word is like an arrow. His Word is a sword. And His Word develops discernment on the inside of us. Why did Elisha live in victory? Why was he undefeatable, untouchable? Why did he live in that place that the enemy couldn't get him? Why? Because he heard the voice of God. He knew discernment on the inside. When you hear the voice of God, you won't be taken by surprise. Have you ever been in a situation and think, wow, I didn't see that coming. I've been in so many of those. Oh, if only I'd heard God. And I'm sure God was speaking, I just didn't hear him. I'm sure God was showing me, but I just didn't get it. You know what? As we grow up in God, let's pray like Solomon prayed. God, give me a wise and discerning, a hearing heart that I might know how to go out and come in, that I might know what to do, that I can develop you know, discernment. The Bible says God doesn't do anything without first revealing it to his servants, the prophets. And I'm certainly not a prophet, and I'm, you know, but the Bible says we can all prophesy, which means we can all hear in the Spirit. I want to encourage you today, have ears to hear. Jesus said, if you have ears to hear, then hear. And I want to declare it out today. I want to prophesy it out. I want to stir us up. Your heart is good ground for the gospel, and we have ears to hear in Jesus' name. And as we hear God, we can, step, we can stay one step ahead of anything the enemy wants to do. No more taken by surprise in Jesus' name. That's a good place to shout amen right there. Number three, point number three. Sometimes people don't see what you see. Have you ever had it that you, you, know, you explain something and they just go, huh? Perhaps you've really heard from God or you see something from the Word of God and you go, look at this. I can remember once I'd been so impacted by an understanding of the blood covenant 
and I was sitting in a pastor's office in London and there was two or three of us and I was exploding with this stuff. It had absolutely turned my life upside down and I poured it out. No, I didn't preach. In, you know, we were all on, on sofas and lounges and whatever else and I, and I was just saying, oh man, isn't this amazing? And I was getting so excited. I was 20, I'll tell you how old I was. I was 27 years old and I was, oh, 28, and I was exploding with all of this stuff, pouring it out. And one person, I, I can remember, I can see it like it was yesterday. He just looked at me and just didn't get a thing. Just, he, he just looked bored stiff. Just nothing impacted. I'm not in any way going to insinuate that that's a reflection of his spiritual life or anything like that. But it's just like something that I saw so powerfully and life-changing and clearly. And he went, huh? I can remember actually talking about the blood covenant. The first time I heard somebody preach about the blood covenant, didn't do it for me. Just went over my head. I heard somebody preaching it. I was at a conference and I just thought, I just don't get this at all. And it was probably about a year later when it exploded on the inside and I knew that this was going to change my life forever. Understanding the teaching on the blood covenant. Anyway, I don't want to get into an advert, an advert here about hearing some stuff on that. But, but it's just sometimes people don't see what you see. Sometimes people don't see what you see. There was Gehazi here. Now, Gehazi had issues. He was greedy. If you read in the chapter before, we've not been through it just for the sake of time. But he thought, okay, you know, Elisha had just healed that guy and he'd said, you know, to jump in the river seven times. And, you know, and this guy had come with all this silver and gold. And Elisha said, no, I don't want it and sent him away. And so, you know, Gehazi thought, oh, I see an opportunity here. So he runs after Naaman and he says, actually, the master's changed his mind. Elisha's changed his mind. Let's have all the gold and the silver. Not all of it, some of it. And, you know, he said, yeah, sure. So he gives it to the servant. This commander gives it to the servant and Gehazi hides it. I mean, talk, he, that, excuse me, but what a toe rag, yeah? He, he hides this stuff all this gold and this silver. And he goes back to Elisha, all innocent. And Elisha said, I saw you do the whole thing. And he didn't see him physically, but he saw him in the spirit. It's that discernment again. It's developing discernment and a hearing heart that meant he saw what the king of Syria was saying, uh, you know, and doing um, and, and hearing the strategy. But Gehazi, I mean, this guy's got issues. And yet he was the servant of Elisha. And so here's Gehazi. And um, he comes out and he sees all of this stuff. He sees the enemy army and he panics and he absolutely goes into one. Oh no, what are we going to do? And Elisha, he didn't panic. Why? Because Elisha had a different perspective. He saw something that Gehazi didn't see. And I want to encourage you today. When you see something in God, don't let anyone talk you out of it. Oh no, there's no army here. There's no chariots of fire here. If Elisha had said to Gehazi, if he'd said this, there's a chariots around everywhere. You know, Gehazi would have gone, what are you on? What did you eat last night? <laughs> what has happened? But you see, Elisha didn't try to sort of get, um, you know, Gehazi on board. But it's, it's clear, Elisha could see what, what you know, Gehazi couldn't see. And there will be people around your life who just don't see it. They just don't get it. You can be strong in faith and say, you know what, I believe I've received whatever it is. 
And they just look at you and go, you're not in reality. This is unreal. Come on, get real. You're spouting off all this stuff and it's like, great, but it's just not reality. Can't you see what's going on in the news? Can't you see what's going on in the banks? Can't you see what's going on in the housing market? Can't you see what's going on with the pandemic? Can't you see what's going on? And of course, these things are real. Elisha didn't say the enemy's not there. He didn't say the enemy army's not there, but he could see something different. I'm going ahead of myself. But you will see things when you're in tune with God, you will see things that other people don't see. Your conviction on the inside has ascendancy and has greater authority than public consensus. Come on, of course we submit to people around us. Of course we take advice. Of course in, in an amount of you know, counselors, there's wisdom. Of course there is. But when you've had something revealed to you by God, when you can see something in the Spirit, don't let anybody talk you out of it. They just can't see it. Don't put them down. Don't condemn them. Don't call them a fool. They just can't see it and you can. What a great way to live. The next point, point number four, is silence fear first. See, Gehazi panicked. He absolutely fell apart here. He panicked. He said, wow, here's this enemy army. We are toast. We're gone. And the first thing that Elisha says is do not fear. See, fear, and we can call it all sorts of things, anxiety, worry, stress, it all comes from fear. Fear is the root of so many things which people think is normal. No, it's not normal, it's fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And fear is so easily entertained. Um, you know, in my own life, one of the standards I have, one of the standards, especially, you know, Sharon and I have, is we will not watch entertainment that is fear-based. Now, there are some things that come quite close, some kind of action thing, and it's like a bit tense sometimes, but we refuse to watch anything of entertainment that is fear-based. Fear is our enemy. Fear steals, kills, and destroys. You see, fear wants to work against your faith. Fear wants to work against your inheritance. Fear wants to work against your healing in your body. Fear wants to work against the abundance in your bank balance. Fear wants to work against your healthy marriage. Fear wants to work against, let's call it worry. Let's call it anxiety. There's fear, which is like the scared fear, which is, you know, horror movies and, and you know, the nasty stuff of life. Fear and panic attacks and anxiety attacks. There's fear of everything that's going to go wrong. And then there's the other end of, of the fear spectrum, which is just mild stuff. You know, what happens if it doesn't happen? Well, let's have a plan B. Of course, we have other plans for wisdom for our lives. You don't put all your eggs in one basket. We understand that. But when something comes from a place of anxiety or worry, when it's like, well, God might not show up. God's promises might not come to pass. You know what? That's a worry. That's a fear, which if fed, do you remember we spoke on the other week, you know, the thing you fear keeps coming back. If you feed that worry, if you feed that anxiety, it's going to grow and grow and grow and become a destructive force in your life. Stand against fear. 
You know, there have been times in my life when, you know, there's been such pressure going on that I'm, I'm awake at 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning and, you know, somebody, I was speaking to somebody just the other day and they called it the night terrors. And there's something in the Psalms in there about the terror at night and in Psalm 91 about the terror at night. And that's not talking about someone coming in your house. That's talking about what's going on in your mind. So important that we deal with fear first in Jesus' name. What does fear do? Fear amplifies love lies, amplifies lies. We use amplifiers here. You know, if I was speaking here on a Sunday, I'd be speaking through a microphone, going through an amplifier so it's louder, so it impacts everybody's life, so they can hear me at the back, all these sorts of things. You use amplification. And, you know, some things are an amplifier. Faith amplifies things. You know, a lot of things amplify things. The anointing will amplify things, but fear is an amplifier. It amplifies lies, makes them more significant, louder in your life. You hear them and they shout at you. You know, the enemy wants to get in, he wants to deceive and fear in your own life will turn his voice up in your life, not quieting it down. This is why praise and worship is so important. The Bible says when we praise God, we silence the enemy. We silence the enemy. We snuff out that voice of fear, fear amplifies lies, gives no place to fear. What else does fear do? Fear amplifies emotions. Amplifies emotions. Emotions are to be reined in. I'm not saying squash, so you know we become lifeless, but emotions, we don't have our lives ruled by emotions. We keep our emotions under check. We don't just let our life fall apart emotionally and become an emotional wreck. No, we live by the, the, the strong and the concrete word of God in our lives. And we say, no, I take captive thoughts. Come on, emotions, you will be healthy. You will be, you know, um, right on the word of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering will work through all my emotions in Jesus' name. But fear will amplify the emotions to where we just live in, it, in some emotional state. Come on, go for fear first. Do not fear in Jesus' name. What else does fear do? Fear amplifies failure. Fear amplifies failure. We've all got things wrong. We've all made huge mistakes. We've all can look back in our lives and think, well, that didn't work and that didn't work. But you know what? As we listen to fear, as we allow fear to come in, those failures are amplified in our lives. Those mistakes are amplified. Those situations are amplified to where somebody starts saying this, I'm a failure. No, you're not a failure. You may have done some things that didn't work out, but now you've let fear come in your life. Your whole life's a failure. Nothing you do is right. Come on, snuff out fear today. Go to war against fear. Resist it. The Bible says the perfect love of God casts out all fear. Ah, oh, but what happens if I don't get healed? What happens if you do? Come on, snuff out fear. Get rid of anxiety and worry. Yeah, but it all might go wrong. Yeah, but come on, the promises of God said the blessing of the Lord make you rich and add no sorrow to it. Come on, put faith into the promises of God. Snuff out fear. Jesus said it so many times. Do not be afraid, only believe. Do not fear, only believe. Fear not. I've heard it said so many times. There's 365 fears in the Bible. You know, fear not in the Bible. It's not true. It's not there. Do your own study. There's about 100, you know, um, 
do not fears in the Bible, something like that. Um, and it's and it just become a preaching point. But even if it was only once in the Bible, there's enough in that one do not fear for us to live a fear-free life in Jesus' mighty name. What else does fear do? Fear receives defeat. You know what? The Bible talks about us to receive the end of our faith, the end of our faith. So many people receive the end of their fear. There's no way out of this. It's a lost cause. It's hopeless. I'm defeated. We're never going to win. It's never going to happen. They receive defeat. And yet the promises of God are yes and amen. It says your hope will not be cut off. Even though you feel like horses have trampled over you, you're coming out on top. I'm going to bring you into a large place. The Lord is our deliverer. He's a, he's a strong tower. The righteous are lifted high up above evil. Even though Psalm 91, I heard this the other day on the Passion Translation. I put it out around my leaders. Oh, it absolutely blew me up. Just fantastic. It said, even though thousands around you are dying, it will not come near you. And, and all of this stuff, an incredible psalm. Read it in the Passion Translation. I'm going to encourage you to do that. The most incredible psalm. We know Psalm 91 is amazing anyway. But it says, come on, you know, you'll come out on top. The promise of God, when you make the Lord your stronghold and you live under the shadow of his wings, when you're in relationship with God, we've covered this. When you have the right attitude, when you develop certain you know, discernment when you're in the presence of God. Come on, we're coming out on top. But failure, sorry, but fear receives defeat. Do not receive defeat in your life. I love the psalm. I shall not die but live and declare what the Lord has done. We can, I could turn to John chapter 11 about, you know, the cousin of, of Jesus he dies, um, Lazarus dies and Jesus hangs around for another uh, few days and then he goes and Martha says, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. And, and she said, but even now I believe we'll see the glory of God. She wasn't thinking about him being raised from the dead. And Jesus said, he's not a dead, he's just, he's just asleep. He'd said that earlier. He's not dead, he's just asleep. I'm not, affecting, I'm not accepting defeat here. I'm not accepting that this is how things are going to stay. And then he comes, he groans, he prays in himself, he stirs it up. And then he says, so where have you laid him? And they show him, then he groans in himself again. And when it says Jesus wept, it's not because he was upset. He was so in the spirit, he was stirring himself in that place of prayer and in that place of intercession. And then he said, Father, you've heard me. I know you always hear me. I'm only saying this so everybody else can believe. Every time he groaned and wept in himself, he then said something awesome and he groaned in himself and then he said roll away the stone then he groaned again and then he said Lazarus come forth you know what Jesus refused to accept defeat he refused to accept defeat the third day is evidence that almighty God never accepts defeat the cross was not a defeat it was a victory but the world saw it as a defeat the enemy saw it as a victory but on the third day, death could not hold Jesus down. Why? Because Almighty God the Father is the greatest conqueror that has ever existed. He is Almighty. He is the conqueror. And fear will get you to receive defeat, whereas faith will get you to receive your victory in Jesus' name. Come on, go to war against fear. How do we go to war against fear? We do not give our eyes 
ears, attention to the lies of the enemy. We give our eyes, our ears, and our mouth to the promises of Almighty God. The Bible says this, that you are to speak the Word of God all the time. That doesn't mean to say every time you have a conversation that you're quoting Scripture. But come on, let's keep the Word of God in our heart. Let's keep the Word of God in our mouth. Like God said to Joshua, for then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Day and night. Day and night. Perhaps you do it you know, during the day, but your night times are not too good. Perhaps you're up in the middle of the night, you're concerned about everything. What a great time to put on a podcast. What a great time to listen to this again. What a great time to listen to somebody saying, come on, God's going to bring you out. You're not going to go down the tubes, you're going to come out on top. Come on, don't entertain the lies of the devil. Entertain and open yourself up to the promises of Almighty God. And as we close today, point number five is we've got to have the right, the right perspective. What we see by faith is more powerful than what appears to be there. You know, the Bible talks a lot about our attention of our eyes to look straight ahead of us, to lift your eyes above the darkness. And I've already said what you see other people perhaps can't see. But Elisha prayed for Gehazi, open his eyes that he might see, a, you know, can I say it like this? A different perspective, a godly perspective. I want to declare today, let your eyes be opened in Jesus' name that you can see a godly perspective. You may see chaos on the earth, but I see Almighty God in Psalm 2 who sits in the heavens and he laughs. He's not laughing at people's pain and their hurt, but he's laughing at the big picture saying, devil, you think you can win? You think, no, my kingdom is forcefully advancing. The church is greater and stronger today than ever. People are coming to Christ all over this world and as a result of every plan of the enemy, the, the church is going to be built even more unshakable, even more indestructible. God's given us authority. We have the name above every name. Oh, I'm getting so excited about this. Come on, get a godly perspective over your life. You may see things as disastrous. God says it's an opportunity for, for God to show himself strong. You see a temple shaking, a city shaking, a, a place shaking, and God says everything's going to shake, that the things that are unshakable are going to remain. You're going to come out on top. You may see a fiery furnace and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego getting thrown in but I see a fourth man in the fire hallelujah where the son of God comes right into the middle and you won't even smell of smoke you'll come out of that furnace with a testimony to the glory of God you may see a lion's den where Daniel is thrown into the lion's den but God sees an opportunity again for him to be shown as the God of the impossible you may see a red sea before you and an Egyptian army behind you but God sees a staff of authority. Put it in the Red Sea, see the Red Sea split and it's the deliverance of a whole nation. Come on, what do you see today? Don't be a Gehazi. See a different perspective. See above the darkness. See a big picture. And I want to declare it today, no matter you know what's going on around you, more are those who are with you than those who are with your enemy. The devil may want to shout. He may want to roar like a roaring lion, but we have the armies of the living God. We have the angels of righteousness. We have almighty God. We have the anointing which destroys every yoke and removes every burden. We have the name of Jesus. Jesus, which pushes back the darkness. 
Faith in the name of Jesus brings deliverance every time. We have the word of God, which is sharper than any two-edged sword and his word in your mouth moves every mountain, raises up every valley, causes the victory to come through. Come on, what do you see? Do you see the armies of the glory of God with the angels of fire and the chariots of fire? Can you see God's hand moving in our nation right now? Can you see God's anointing upon your life? Can you see God bringing you out of the grave. We're singing now graves into gardens. You turn ashes into beauty. You give us the oil of joy instead of mourning the garments of praise instead of a spirit of despair and heaviness. What do you see today? We see bones becoming armies in Jesus' name. Come on friend, I want to encourage you to see the God perspective on your life. More are those who are with you than those who are with your enemy. You know the Bible says the enemy shouts and acts like it's going to win but their time is short. They'll be snuffed out like a flame is snuffed out. Of course we're not talking about people here. We're talking about the plans of the enemy against your life. So stand and having done all to stand, stand. Elisha wasn't concerned one little bit. You know Gehazi panicked. Elisha said no fear here in Jesus name. God opened his eyes and Elisha you know, he prayed and Gehazi opened his, had his eyes opened and Elisha said, look at that. I told you, I told you we're coming out on top. There's nothing to worry about. I want to declare in your family, you're coming out on top. I want to declare in your business, you're coming out on top. I want to declare in your marriage, you're coming out on top. I want to declare over your children, they're coming out on top and they're going to go further and higher than you've ever gone. Praise God. Our God is the God of increase. He's the God of blessing. He's the God of power. He's the God who will not leave you to starve. He will bring you out into to a place where you can feed others. Come on, the Bible says that He will bring us from a place of restriction to a large place. Oh man, I, I, I am so stirred about this today. One of my favorite passages in the scripture, Elisha and the armies of Almighty God. More are those who are with us than those who are with them. Will you agree that with me today? Come on, why don't you you declare that over your own life? More are those who are with me than those who are against me. Come on, why don't you, you declare that again? More are those who are with me than those who are against me. In Jesus' mighty name. Friend, I want to ask you, do you know this God we're talking about? I preached, I just preached my heart out today and I trust it's touched your life. But if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, that's your first step. You're like the Gehazi. Oh, is there a Jesus? Can I see a Jesus? Did he die for me? I don't know. And I want to pray today that your eyes be opened. Quite simply, you know, Jesus said on the first thing he ever preached, he said, I want to give recovery of sight to the blind. And he did that to so many people physically, but spiritually, You know, we use that expression, we've seen the light and my eyes were opened. But friend, I want you to see Jesus high and lifted up. I want you to see that he's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Come on, God's touching your heart right now. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me now. Come on, why don't you cry out to God? If you want to know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, if you want to to see what I'm talking about today, come on, why don't you pray this? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me, that you've demonstrated your love by sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
to die on a cross to give me life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, for being raised from the dead. I receive you today as my Lord, my Saviour and my friend. I turn away from the way I've lived apart from you and by the help of your grace and your power, I will never be the same again. I receive eternal life. And Father, I pray for everybody who's prayed that prayer today and over the last few weeks. Lord, for them to grow. Lord, for us all to grow. But Father God, step by step in the things of God. Lord, that they'll hear your voice. We've talked today about discernment, staying one step ahead. Lord, I pray they hear your voice. Lord, that as they open your word, the Bible, Lord, that you speak to them clearly and powerfully. In Jesus' name. Lord, fill them with your spirit. Anoint them for service. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what? There's going to be other steps for you. We're going to encourage you to get a Bible. We'll send you a Bible. We'd love you to, you know, please get in touch with us. Tell us today that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Um, if you're anywhere near Citygate Church, South East London, we'd love to see you here on a Sunday. But somewhere near you, there'll be a church that preaches the Word of God, an exciting place to be with vision and dreams, to turn our world upside down and to really be a blessing. But we'd love to see you here in Citygate if we could. But God bless you, friend, and, and everybody on online today. Come on, we are more than conquerors. Greater is he that's in us than anything in this world. As we go out, we're not surrounded by the enemy. We're singing that song or we have sung that song. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you, Lord. Come on, we're going out there. Every step of the way ordered by God. We'll see you next week. Have an amazing week. Do everything you can to help make somebody else's life great. In Jesus' name, God bless you. See you next week.